95A, Sadiheim and Aleph. And we are, uh, let's see, we are five lines down from the top, the third word on the line, okay? So the Gemara says like this, We're about to now address the Machleka Sabaya and Rava, and we're saying that the Machleka Sabaya and Rava is really on the same fault lines as the Machlekes between Rav and Shmuel, right? What was the Machlekes Rav and Shmuel? Uh, the Machlekes Rav and Shmuel was when the, in the case of the Mishnah where there was a breach, what was the case that the breach was on both sides and it created issues? Was it even uh, 10 Amas and not more and still created issues because it was on the diagonal? Or was it more than 10 Amas and that's why it created issues? So, how do we see a similar machlekas of Ayan Rabbah? At least the Gemara is positing that we have a similar machlekas. Now, typically, by the way, when the Gemara says lema, uh, you know, perhaps these two Amorayim are really saying something that, that Tanayim argued about previously. Typically, it's Amorayim that perhaps they're saying like Tanayim. And we don't like that because we don't want Amorayim to be arguing about something that Tanayim already argued about. If they want to just state that Allah follows this Tana, Allah follows that Tana, it's just say so explicitly. They shouldn't argue about the same topic. Again, don't relitigate it. Just say, I believe that this is the Hudalah follows. This, however, is a case where Abaya and Rava were actually saying that perhaps they're arguing about something that our earlier Amorayim argued about, right? So it's, it's atypical for the Gemara to do this. However, Rav and Shmuel are the very first Amorayim. And Rav, the Gemara itself tells us multiple places that Rav is somewhat of an Amorayim, somewhat of a Tana, is like somewhat amorphous, right? And and Shmuel also, at least Taisvis sometimes says that Shmuel could also be a Tana. So perhaps that's why the Gemara thinks that this is strange, that Abai and Rava should say the principles independently and not just state explicitly that they're really arguing about the Machlekes Rava and Shmuel. Okay. The Itmar. So what is this conversation? Itmar. It was stated. Right. like this. They have an Achsadra, right? The portico type of situation, right? And it has pitzimin. What are the pitzimin, right? So we discussed in the past, right? So you have you have um, the, the 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 pillars, and then you have the pitzimin, which is that there's a little side post that goes out a little bit into the middle of the portico, right at the right at each end. So halacha is like this: sheira. It's going to be a good sukkah. You put the schach on top of that. Ain the pitzimin. However, let's say there's no side posts at all. Abaya amrik sheira. Abaya says it's still a good sukkah. Rava ramsula. Rava says it's not a good sukkah. What's this machlekes dependent on? The Gemara says perhaps it, what it hinged on is by Amar Ksheir. Rabbi says it's a good sukkah. Amar Pitikriyot He says that the edges of the ceiling are considered to go down and close up the area underneath it. Right? We have the vertical, vertical, um, virtual walls. Rava Amar Rava says Sula. It is not kosher. Loy Amar Pitikriyot Vesaisim. The sukkah is not a good sukkah. Why? We do not say that the edges are going to go down and seal up the space. Leima Abaya Kerav Urava Kishmu. So Baya seems to be saying like Rav, who, who holds of um, who holds a Pitikriyayim, right? And, and, and even when it's um, more than, even when it's on all four sides, he still holds a Pitikriyayim. And Shmuel says you only hold of Pitikriyayim if it's not open on four sides. If it has some legit walls, and then you're using Pitikriyayim to get to the total amount of walls that you need, then Shmuel says it works. So presumably, as to whether or not this portico that has no real walls at all, Right, whether or not you say pitikra, well, that's because if you hold like Rav, you say pitikra even on all four sides to have the virtual walls. If you hold like Shmuel, you don't. Mercy is like this. Everybody agrees, both 
Abaya and Rava, that according to Shmuel, this is not going to be a good sukkah. There's no way. Shmuel says it's not going to work. Kipligi, Machlekes Abaya and Rava is like this. Machlekes was, I'll leave it to Rav, according to the opinion of Rav. Abaya ke Rav. Abaya is very easy for Abaya to say like Rav, because Rav says you say Pitikra even on all four sides. But Rava could also say like Rav. How? Rav only said his halacha over there by Shabbos. Avidi. The 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 when we talk about the peak ticker over here, right? In other words, the lip of the roof, right? The lip of the roof was created for the sake of the asadra. And then we have this virtual idea that as if it goes down to extend to cover up the wall, to cover up the interior of the asadra. Over here, the purpose of these um, walls, they're not made for the sukkah, right? They're made for the portico, right? And therefore, maybe it's worse off. So maybe even Rab would agree to Rava over here. In our Mishnah said that if they are permitted for this Shabbos, then they'll be permitted for upcoming Shabbos as well. If they're not permitted for this Shabbos, they'll be forbidden for upcoming Shabbos. You want to ask the question. When Rabbi Yaisi said that it's all about what's going to be happening in the future, is he coming to permit, therefore? Is he saying, well, since it's going to be permitted in the future, Therefore, it, I'm sorry, the other way around. Is he saying that since it should be permitted this Shabbos, it would even be permitted in the future? Or is he coming to say, since it should, it will be forbidden in the future Shabbos, because these walls fell down on this Shabbos. So by next Shabbos, there's no wall at all, right? It'll be forbidden on that Shabbos. Then on this Shabbos also it's forbidden. Is he coming to be lenient or to be stringent? He's coming to make things forbidden. says he's coming to forbid. Tanya Namiyach, we learned advice like this as well. Same way they will be forbidden on the future Shabbosos, they will also be forbidden on the Shabbos. Itman, who stated, follows the opinion of Reb Yaisi. Right, that if it's forbidden on the future Shabbosos, it will be forbidden on the Shabbos in which the walls fall down as well. Shmuel says, follows that if it's permitted at the beginning of Shabbos, it will be permitted on the Shabbos and future Shabbos as well. We learned in the Mishnah, Amr of Yehuda, when does, um, when do we say that this is true, that if it was here at the beginning, it's good? That's by Erev Tchumen. That's only by the rules of making an Erev to permit you to carry past your normal distance. But when it comes to making an Erev for courtyards, Ma'arvin, when it comes to making an Erev in a courtyard, right? So you're only, we learned this previously, right? So the Mishnah tells us like this. If you want to make an Erev for someone else without their knowledge, then you can only do that when it comes to permitting them to carry in a courtyard from their house into their courtyard. But when it comes to saying their new Shabbos dwelling should be 2,000 Amas that way, by putting food down in the distance, that you can't do unless they agree. Why? You can only do things that are pure merit for that person when they are not here, but you cannot do things that might not be a merit for them when they're not here. So when it comes to permitting them to carry in the courtyard, that's unequivocally a zechus, a merit. When it comes to uh, extending their Shabbos distance one direction, it's not necessarily a benefit because you're taking away their ability to go the other direction. says in the name of So we see that even when it comes to um, even when it comes to questions about a Ruvei Chatzeros, and not just a Ruvei Tchum. And not just that, but anytime we have Rabbi Yehuda quoted in a Mishnah in Eruvim, Allah follows his opinion. 
The Shmuel say, even in the case of a Mavoy, an alleyway, in which the Lechi, right, the side post, or the Kaira, or the beam, was taken away, that even then it's still permitted? And he says, When I told you that the Allah follows of Yehuda in Erevin, I meant not when it comes to defining if it places a wall or not, then it doesn't follow of Yehuda. Where it follows of Yehuda is when it comes to a specific question regarding the actual mixture item, right? The thing which is going to be mixing together domains, not the walls, but the the gathering together of food, whether it's in the Sheikh of Mabayas, whether it's in the Eruve Chatseris, whether it's in the Eruve Truman, right? Amr Avanan, Amr Avanan says, it was explained to me by Shmuel himself. When does he say that the halacha follows Rabbi Yehuda? That's about when you have a courtyard that is opened up to a Carmelist. So on a Torah level, it's totally fine, right? So over there, Rabbi Yehuda would be lenient. However, in a case where this wall that you're dealing with is a wall that's open between a courtyard and a public domain that is forbidden on a Torah level, indeed, he would be more stringent. New Mishnah. If someone builds a, a roof on top of two houses, right? So to be clear, Rashi explains like this. You have these two houses that are opposite sides of the Rosh Rabin, right? And what you do is you build a rooftop that actually goes from one to the other, right? It, it goes straight through and it's actual a house, right? Like... um. You know, like, uh, you know, those bridges in the hospitals, right? You know, the bridges that go across the street, right? So you can actually walk on top of the street, on, you know, in this bridge, right? Right? And these are gesharim. These are similar idea, but these are the gesharim are the, they ever go to Kisaria in Israel, you see like they had the, the aqueducts, right? The system of the aqueducts, right? That they have the, the bridges that go over the, um, for water or sometimes for, for ability for people to walk and they go on top of the public thoroughfare, right? You're allowed to carry underneath these two types of items on Shabbos. Now, this opinion of Rabbi Huda. The Gemara is going to question, one second, you only have two walls, right? How are you allowed to carry in a public domain that only has two walls? Rabbi says further, Rabbi Huda says you can make an Eruv for a Mavoy, for an alleyway that is completely open on both sides, and the Chama says forbidden. Suck the Gemara. Omar Rabba. Do not say Rabbi Huda's reason that you're allowed to carry underneath this two-walled area because he believes on a Torah level, you only require two walls to, to take, take something down from a public domain to private domain. So rather, what's his reason? Rather, says you have two walls, right? One wall on each side of that public domain. And then you have the Pitikra. You have the virtual walls that go down. You got the four walls, no issues, right? I ask a question. Yes, Rabbi says even further than that. It says in a Brisa, Rabbi says if you have two houses on two opposite sides of the public domain, in this scenario, you have you own two houses across the street from each other, and there's the public domain in between. You all you need to do according to Rabbi is just put up one side post, one side post, and one side post, one side post. You're permitted to carry. And over there, there's no P-Tikra. There's no rooftop that's going to be creating virtual walls. And still, Rabbi Huda says you're permitted to carry over there. Amrlai. they said to Rabbi Huda over there, you're not allowed to make an era of Rabbi in this type of scenario. But what we're trying to extrapolate from that, Raisa, is that Rabbi Huda indeed holds that even two walls enough, two walls is already sufficient to render a public domain no longer public domain on a Torah level. Because if it was about P-Tikra, that's not a case of P-Tikra. There is no P-Tikra over there because you don't have a roof. Indeed, you're right. 
In truth, Rabbi Huda's position ultimately is that two walls are sufficient on a Torah level. But you cannot prove that to me from our Mishnah. But it is true that is his position. Omer Ravashi, Ravashi says, Nasisa Nami Deka. The Mishnah also is, um, is very meduyak, um, it reads well according to this explanation. Midiktani, in the fact that it teaches in the Mishnah. But I don't know Yehuda, Yehuda said further, Me'arvin b'mavayam afolish. You can make an Erev in a mavayam afolish, in an alleyway that's open on both sides. Come, Israel. Come, I forbid you to do this. If you say that the reasoning is, is that the pitikra, the the roof, the the roof um, lip is going to be considered to be coming down and closing up the area. And that's why we said even in the second case where there is no rooftop, and still we said that Rabbi Huda would say this halacha. But if Rabbi Huda's position is really based on the fact that he holds the two walls are the araisa already sufficient on a Torah level, there's no reason to say the oid, and Rabbi Huda also is lenient. In regarding the second case, the second case is not any bigger of a chiddush. If a Yehuda's position is just based on the fact that two walls is a Torah level closing off of a space, then whether you have two walls with a roof on top of it or whether you have two walls with the lechia on it, you're good to go. So there's no reason for the mission to say ve'oid. And not only this, but even this, it wouldn't be any different. They're both exactly the same thing. The fact that it says ve'oid, my ve'oid, why does it say ve'oid? And also this, Shema Mila, it's come to teach you that Yehuda holds that you can be lenient based on two walls alone. Hajran Allah called Gagai. So you have finished all rooftops. How might see tefillin? If someone finds tefillin on Shabbos, right? Now it's in a place where these tefillin are outside and they could be, we, we came across this in Shabbos, quoted this Mishnah as well, right? You find tefillin on Shabbos in a place where they can end up getting destroyed or trampled or, you know, dogs will make on them, who knows what will happen. Achlis and Zugzug, you should bring them into town, but wearing one at a time, right? You wear your tefillin one at a time and you bring them into town, okay? You put on two at a time. That's only true when they are old tefillin and they clearly are tefillin that are used as tefillin, right? You see these boxes with straps attached to them. They clearly are actually phylacteries that are used as tefillin, right? If they're brand new tefillin, right? We don't know if these are actual tefillin or perhaps in those days, people used to wear these boxes, but they wouldn't actually contain the proper, you know, ksavim. They didn't contain the proper parshias of the Torah in them. And rather they contained amulets, you know, with who knows what was inside them. Then you're not, not supposed to bring them in on Shabbos because... We don't have to be concerned for their holiness. Matzon. Matzon also. Now let's say you find these tefillin that they're in a tzvasim, right? Which means um bundled up together. Or krichas is also like bundles. Tzavsa means, um, I guess tzavsa means like two and and krichas means like bundles. But I think the Gemara is going to get into Messi Rashi. Yeah, the Gemara is going to explain what exactly this is, so Rashi says, Tzvasim are many tefillin tied up together, and the Gemara is going to explain what, what the difference is. You should wait until it becomes Matzi Shabbos, right, right next to it, so keep, you know, protect them, and then afterwards, you can bring them in. The time of danger, when you're not allowed to, you're not allowed to, you know, to be close to the tefillin, because you'll get in trouble. You should cover them up, so they don't get, you know, completely uh, degraded and humiliated, and then walk away. Because you can't stay there until the end of Shabbos because people will recognize you're staying there. Shimon says you should give them to your friend, his friend to his friend, and continue going, right? To, to ensure, remember, we're talking about over here, the issue is that these tefillin are in a place that you're not allowed to carry. We're not dealing with the mukta issue on tefillin. The mukta issue we could take care of, but not being able to carry is more difficult. Shimon says, pass them from one person to the other. And so too, if you have a son, right? Who you need to carry, you can't walk anymore, and you don't have an Arab. Nice to the chaveri, 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 give it to your friends, friend gives to his friend, even to a hundred. 
Yehuda says a person could pass a, a flask of, of wine to his friend. They could do this passing job as long as nobody's working for Amos, even if they are past the Chum. Amalei said to him, One second. You can't move the you can't move the flask past whatever its owner's domain acquired for this kli, for this vessel, when Shabbos began, right? As we learned many times earlier, that when it comes to Tchume Shabbos, it also applies to your, uh, your, the items that you own are also now going to acquire whatever domain the owner acquired when Shabbos began. Zog the Gemara. Zog Echad in Tveiloi. You're allowed to take in one pair, but not, not more, not more at a time. Lema Tanan Stamad Lekar Meir. We see here that the Mishnah is saying an untributed anonymous Mishnah is going not like the position of a mayor. The Iker Meir, because if I had like a mayor, Ha'amer, he says, he says, put on everything that you can wear. Whenever you're saving items from a fire on Shabbos, put on everything that you can wear. And wrap yourself up in anything that you're able to wrap yourself up in. It's not. We learned in a Mishnah. And then to the nearest courtyard that you get to after you leave the house that's on fire, you then put all of the vessels that you're trying to save. Put on all the clothing you're able to put on. Wrap yourself in all the clothing you're able to wrap yourself. That Mishnah is also a Stam Mishnah, right? In this Mishnah in Shabbos. Why do you think that Mishnah reflects the opinion of a mayor? Because we learned in a Braisa about that Mishnah. You put on clothing, carry them out. And then as soon as you get to a safe place, take the clothing off. Then go back in, get dressed, take the clothing out, take them off. The entire day, opinion of Ramer. So we see that this Mishnah that says you're allowed to get dressed with as many much clothing as you want has to be the opinion of Ramer. Amar Rav Rav says, even if our Mishnah theory, in theory it could be like Ramer. Right over there, the Chachamim said that you you should get dressed in a way that is similar to the way you get dressed during the week, and that's permitted. Over here, they said that you're permitted to put on the tefillin in the way you put them on during the week. Right, but it's exactly the same concept, right? Over there, sometimes people get dressed in many, many layers, right? And over here, sometimes nobody, nobody ever puts on two pairs of tefillin at once, right? When it comes to the weekday, sometimes you put on as many, much clothing as you want. The Indian Therefore, when it comes to atzala, to saving things, you have to put on as much as you want. So to over here, typically people only wear one pair of tefillin. So therefore, you can only wear one pair of tefillin when you're saving it. And you're not telling them, you're taking one pair and not more. Rangmil says two pairs at a time. What does he hold? What does he hold? Why does he say you're allowed to take out your tefillin on Shabbos? Does he hold that Shabbos is actually a time period when you're allowed to wear tefillin, or not allowed to, you're actually obligated to, right? Then if you're actually allowed to wear tefillin, then you should only be allowed to take in one pair and not more. Why? The problem is that if you're actually allowed to wear tefillin, then you're fulfilling a mitzvah when you put on tefillin. If you're fulfilling a mitzvah when you put on tefillin, you're not allowed to put on two pairs of tefillin, right? Because if you put on two pairs of tefillin, it's the problem of bal taisif, right? You're adding on to the mitzvah. If someone says, you know what? I really like the mitzvah of taking a little of an esrig. I'm going to take three lulavim, 17 esrigim, right? You, you're not doing anything. You're, you're doing a prohibition of adding on to the Torah, right? So if you're actually fulfilling your if it's a time of fulfilling the mitzvah of tefillin, then by putting on two pairs of tefillin, you're adding on to the Torah, which is forbidden. Go ahead. Two, two, two at one time? or Two at one time. Two at one time. Yeah, two at yeah, one time. One. Correct, yes. But putting on a of time is not, is not a problem about Tesef. But if he held that Shabbos is not a time for when you're allowed to put on tefillin, the mitzvah of putting on tefillin, the only reason why you're permitted to wear this out on Shabbos is because it's like, the way you're wearing it on the weekday, you're allowed to wear it on Shabbos for the purposes of saving it. Then you should be permitted to wear even more than than uh, than you should. I'm sorry. Then you should not be permitted to wear more than one pair because 
Why one pair? On the weekday, you only wear one pair. You should not be permitted to wear even more than one pair. Rameir holds that Shabbos is not a time when you're put on tefillin. Parenthetically, the reason why we don't put on tefillin on Shabbos, right? What's the reason? Why is Shabbos not a time for putting on tefillin? Because we have two ice We have two ice Sorry, we have two signs, right? Two signs of a connection with Hashem. We have our bris milah, and then when we put on tefillin, that's another sign of a connection that we have with Hashem. On Shabbos and Yom Tif, we have a different sign. The very day itself is the sign. So therefore, you don't need to put on more than two. You don't need to have more than two signs at a time. Um, so, okay, so fine. So they said that you can only put on the, the tefillin in the way in which it's worn during the week. Now, the way you wear it during the week, you wear it in between your eyes. You can't put on more than one pair of tefillin in between your eyes, right? If so, in so if so, why does Rabbi Gamaliel say you can put on two? What's two? Why are you permitted to put on two? I'm going to show about it. You have enough space in your head to put two pairs of tefillin. Now, you're supposed to put your tefillin in between your eyes, right? So clearly the tefillin that they wore in those days was a lot smaller than the tefillin we are today. And certainly smaller than what the what a Chabad pair of tefillin looks like because there is no way you can fit two Chabad tefillin. <laughs> it's actually be past your eyes on both sides probably. Okay. This makes sense when it comes to the head tefillin. You can put two on. The yad but you can't put your you can't, the tefillin on your hand. is supposed to be going specifically on the lower part of your bicep. How much room is there? It has to be like a There are times when someone comes in from the field, and he has a, a bundle. You know, his his uh, baggage is on his head. He takes off his head tefillin and he puts them on his hand tefillin. So there are times. Remember, in those days they wear the tefillin the whole day. So sometimes you're wearing your head tefillin, but it, it's awkward. It's not, you have, you're carrying something on your head. Who knows what you're doing, right? So you do, you take your head tefillin and you just stick it onto your arm. Not, not to fulfill a mitzvah, but just momentarily so that it doesn't get degraded, right? So then you put it on your hand. So therefore it is sometimes you wear two tefillin on your arm as well. When Ravuna said this halacha, that you can put it on your arm, it's only when it's, so it shouldn't be treated in a, in a way of bizayin, in a humiliating way. Roy me, Amar, does he say that you're actually allowed to do this like l'chachila just for the fun of it? There's enough room on the head to put on two tefillah. No, indeed, there is enough room on your hand to put on two tefillah. We learned in the base Medrash of Menashe. When it says on your hand, it means the kibayrus, right? The kibayrus is like from the mid, midpoint of your bicep down, according to the way we pass him today. Between your eyes, that is referring to you know, right here, right? You no, know, but not not literally right here, but this place, but up higher, you know, where the here line is. Hecha, where do we see this? The place where a, like, I think it's called a fontanelle, if I remember correctly, right? I think that's what it's called. Basically, if you have a, a, an infant, its head is not yet, um, it's not yet fused together, right? So it's still soft, right? There's a soft spot over there that it's incredible, right? Doctors are, are also impressed, but, you know, pretty cool. But basically, if the kid would ever fall down, if the head has that soft spot, then it's not going to get a concussion, right? I think the football players are thinking that looking into doing this for their heads so that they stop getting concussions also. So, but that place right there, that's where your children are supposed to be. That was a joke, right? Lema, maybe they're arguing about Rishmuel Bar Yitzchak. Why? The Tanakama, let's say Rishmuel Bar Yitzchak. The Tanakama, the first Tana in our Mishnah says, I don't agree with Rishmuel Bar Yitzchak, right? And therefore, he says only one pair of tefillin at a time, not two. Rishmuel says you put on two pairs because he thinks you could put on two pairs of tefillin at once. So therefore, you can put on two pairs of tefillin in the proper place to fulfill your mitzvah, even on Shabbos for the sake of rest. Like, no, not true. Everybody agrees that you could put on two pairs of tefillin. 
if we say that Shabbos is indeed a time for putting on tefillin, the kuliyama loy laver by kavana, then everybody would say that when that that to to violate it, you do not need kavana. Loy lotzis by kavana, and to and to fulfill the mitzvah, you also don't need kavana. The hacha be laver shleibazmanikim mifkin. The over here is when it comes to doing a mitzvah, not at the time when it is supposed to be done, and adding on to that mitzvah when it's not the time. Do you need to have kavana to violate the prohibition of about tefillin or not? This is very relevant to Shemini Atzeres, right? On Shemini Atzeres, why it is that, you know, Hasidim don't eat in the sukkah on Shemini Atzeres. So there's a big conversation over here because they're adding on to the mitzvah of sitting in the sukkah. So there's a big conversation exactly related to this very topic, okay? Tanakama says you don't need to have intention to violate the prohibition, even when it's not the right time period. When it's, when it's not, when it is the right time period, you want to add on to the mitzvah, even without kavana, you violated the prohibition, right? Even without the kavana that you're adding on to the Torah, you still violate it. But when it's not the time period for fulfilling the mitzvah, if you don't have the specific kavana that I'm adding on to the Torah, you've not violated. So, but a mayor, a mayor should say that even wearing one spirit tefillin is forbidden. Why? Because if you were tefillin on Shabbos, Shabbos is not the time you're supposed to wear tefillin. You're adding on to the Torah. The Torah said only wear it during the week. You're adding on and doing it on Shabbos too. But, and also, Ayashain Vishmini, the sukkah, if someone sleeps in the sukkah on Shmini Atzeres, right? You're also, Yilaka, you should get Malkus. Why? Because you're, you're, you're being over on the lav about Taisif. You're adding on to the midst of sukkah. Sukkah is only seven days. Shmini Atzeres is not about the sukkah, right? Only reason why we eat in the sukkah on Shmini Atzeres and Chutzlarot is because we are Sveka de Yema. We're not sure if it's really part of sukkahs or not, right? So rather, we have to say that the question over here is really a simple, back to the original point. The question is, is Shabbos a time for putting on Tillin or not? Who is the opinion that says the Shabbos is the time for wearing tefillin? Rabbi Kiva, it's the opinion of Rabbi Kiva. The Tanya, we learned in Yamima. It says in the Torah, right, in Shemais, right, that you should put, you should keep this, fulfill this mitzvah, right, from at this time period, from year to year, okay? Yamim I'm sorry, not, not from year to year, from days to days, really, right? Yamim so you put it on during the day and not at night. From some days of the year, but not all the days of the year. Prat, excluding Shabbos and Yom Kippur. When we talk about the fact that you fulfill this from year to year, we're not referring to the Tefillin, we're rather referring to the Mitzvah Karim Pesach. That which we learned in the Mishnah. It says that Pesach and Mila are 
positive commandments. You should say it's not like Rabbi Kiva. Why? This would be the opinion of Rabbi Kiva. Since he said that the fact that you have to do this each year, and he said that that's referring to the carbon Pesach, then that itself is giving you a, a lav, a prohibition, and not just a, a, a positive commandment associated with the carbon Pesach, but also a negative commandment with the with the being uh, with lapsing in carbon Pesach. Any place where it says, Yishamar, safeguard, pen, don't, ba'al, and don't, what's coming to teach you is a negative commandment. Even if we say Rabbi Kiva, Yishamar, the lav, lav, Yishamar, the ase, ase. Even we could say Rabbi Kiva. When it says Yishamar, right, be careful, safeguard carefully. If it is referring to a positive commandment, it becomes a positive commandment. If it's referring to a negative commandment, it becomes a negative commandment. And does Rabbi Kiva say that Shabbos is a time when you put on tefillin? But Tanya, we learned in advice. I might have thought to say that people should put on tefillin even on Shabbos and Yavtah. Says it should be for you a sign on your hands. You only need to put on these tefillin at a time, a regular weekday that needs an additional ice, additional sign to symbolize our connection between us and God. But Shabbos and Yavtah, already they themselves are an ice. We don't need an additional one. Rather, it's a different Tanya. The Tanya, we learned in advice. Someone wakes up in the middle of the night. You can take your tefillin off, or if you want, you can put your tefillin on. Diver if you say that nighttime is also a time for putting on tefillin, then you're saying that there's no exclusions. You can put on tefillin at any and all times, right? And therefore, Shabbos is also a time. That's not true. Maybe he says that nighttime is a time for putting on tefillin as well as the daytime. But Shabbos is not a time for putting on tefillin. We heard Rabbi Kiva say, He said that nighttime is a time for putting on tefillin. Shabbos loves on tefillin, Rabbi Kiva said, but when it came to Shabbos, it's not a time for putting on tefillin. Rather, it must be a different Tana. Which Tana is it? The Tanya we learned in Rebaisa. Michal Bat Kushi, right? Who is this, right? Who, this is Michal, the daughter of Kushi. Who's Kushi over here in this context? It is Shaul, right? The king, right? So Michal, who gets married to David, what did she do? She used to wear tefillin. didn't object, right? And the wife of Yaina, right? Yaina from the, you know, the story of Yaina, right? His wife used to go up to Regal. She used to go up, you know, Aliyah to, Regal to Eretz Yisrael three times a year. And that's both of these seem to be mitzvah cessation man grama. didn't say anything, even though they should be a mitzvah cessation man grama, a positive time bank commandment, and they should not be going, not be fulfilling them if they're women. But the fact that the did not say anything, the fact they didn't say anything, it must be that they held that it's a positive mitzvah that is not time bound. Because if it was a positive mitzvah that was time bound, why wouldn't they stop them? My answer is obvious. Maybe they actually hold when it comes to women, the, the idea of putting your hands on the on the carbon before it is brought as an offering, really that's an obligation for men. However, women are also allowed to do it optionally. So so too when it comes to Mitzvah maybe the women are allowed to do it optionally, right? Because if you don't say this, the wife of Yaina came up to the Aliyah Laregal and they didn't say anything to her. Is there anyone who says that Aliyah Laregal is not a Mitzvah It is the archetype of Mitzvah You only are at Mechuyiv to go to Yerushalayim the three times a year when you have holidays. That is a classic case of a Mitzvah a time-bound positive commandment. You must hold that the going up to the Asay Going, the assay of going up to Yerushalayim is optional for women to do, and they are permitted to do it, even though it's Mitzvah Seishas Grama. So to over here, we should say, 
tefillin also. Maybe men could wear them whenever they want. Ella, hi, Tanahi. It must be a different Tanah. The Tanya, we learned in a bicep. How might see tefillin, machnis, and zugzug? If you find tefillin, you can bring them in two, one pair at a time. Echad isha, echad isha. If a man is bringing it in, if a woman's bringing it in, right? Both of their new pairs of tefillin that were never worn, both of their old pairs of tefillin. Yehuda says it's forbidden if they are new pairs of tefillin, because like I said before, they might be have amulets in them and not the parshias which they're supposed to have. He permits with old pairs. This is only when it comes to, is it even by new ones that they're permitted to bring it in, or only old ones? However, everybody seems to agree that women are allowed to wear tefillin in on Shabbos. We see from here that is a positive commandment that is not time-bound. Otherwise, how could they wear it? Anytime you have a positive commandment that is not time bound, women are obligated equally. Maybe No, once again, there's no proof. Maybe he holds that women, the reason why women are allowed to wear tefillin in on Shabbos is because they are permitted to put on tefillin as a rishus, right? They are permitted optionally to put on tefillin, and that's where they're allowed to wear them in on Shabbos. You shouldn't say this. The lawyer mayor Savala Kerbiasi, the lawyer of Yehuda Savala Kerbiasi, mayor doesn't hold like Kerbiasi, and Rehuda doesn't hold like Kerbiasi. Lawyer mayor Savala Kerbiasi, Yehuda doesn't, sorry, mayor does not hold like Kerbiasi. It's not been learned in the Mishnah. You do not stop a tinnik, right, from blowing the shaifer on, on Rosh Hashanah. Now, why would you stop them from blowing the shaifer on Rosh Hashanah? Because on a rabbinic level, you're not allowed to make noise with noisy instruments on Rosh Hashanah. If you're doing it for the sake of a mitzvah, you're allowed to. Now, children are not doing it for the sake of a mitzvah. Maybe you think you should stop them. And no, you're not to stop them. Sounds like if a woman is blowing a shaper, then you should stop her. And it's an untributed Mishnah, which we know is typically Rameyer's position. But, so, and he holds that if it's a woman, you should stop her. So we see from here that Rameyer holds, not like RVAC, that if women want to fulfill a positive time-bound commandment, they don't necessarily have the rishus to do so. And Rehuda doesn't like Rebbeisi either. Why? Rebbeisi is the one who says that they do have the permission. The Tanya, we learned in Rebbeisa. It says, speak to the children of Israel and say to them that when you bring a carbon, you should lay your hands on the head of the carbon right, right before the, the Kayan uh, sacrifices, right? The Rebbeisa teaches us that the men do this smicha, but the women do not. Rebbeisi of Shimon Aimram, Rebbeisi of Shimon say, Nashim Semchas Shos, and Shimon say that a woman could put their hands on it. But the unattributed first position in the Brisa is presumably who? The opinion of Rabbi Yehuda. So Rabbi Yehuda also says women do not put their hands on it. If you find you know, blue wool in the shuk in the marketplace, if they are lishaynes, right, they're, they're nice, wide, thick pieces of it, then the assumption is that these were not made, these cheles these, um, was made for the purposes of building some sort, you know, making some sort of garment. But if they're already into strings, then we assume that they're made for the purposes of, of tzitzis. The halach is that the, the threads for tzitzis, right, they have to be menupas, they have to be um, spun and made, they have to say, l'shein mitzvah tzitzis, right? You have to have in mind that you're doing this for the sake of making tzitzis. But if you find these pieces of in the street that are not in the shape of tzitzis, then you should assume that it was not spun for the sake of tzitzis. It was spun for whatever other reason, and therefore you can't use it. What's the difference by the inu. When it comes to the shyness, when it comes to these uh, tongues, literally, but it's like a, a nice roll of fabric, we assume that it was made for the sake of, uh, of, of, of a cloak. But also for threads, you should say that they're made for the sake of weaving a cloak out of those threads. The cases where they weren't just they weren't just um, uh, woven, they were also shizurum. Um, they were spun, right? Shizurum nami the shifsa deglima Maybe they were they were spun over, right, and twisted over for the sake of being of like 
fringes on a cloak, but not for the sake of tzitzis. Gemara says, they were cut into like very specific lengths that are used, only short lengths that are used for tzitzis, but not for um, a regular fringes. Because people would not, would not do all this for the sake of using them as a fringe, unless it's for the sake of tzitzis. One second. Do people go to such trouble to make a, a, a kamea, right? Which has like these special, you know, phrases that are protective phrases. Do they do that in the sake of, in the shape of fillin? Who does that? It's not. We learned in the Mishnah. Medvar mamurim. What are we talking about? Here, be yeshanis by old fillin. You're allowed to bring them in. Avav chadash is pater, but if it's new fillin, you're not allowed to. Amr Abzair Abzair says laava beria. Sorry, laava bere. Abzair says to his son Ava, paik tani lahu. So go and teach these these chachamim. If you find in the marketplace and they are lashinus, they're in these rolls of fabric. Sulin, you're not allowed to use them for tzitzis. Kutin, Ufsakin, Sharon, if they are these short strings, you are allowed to use them for tzitzis. Why? Because nobody's going to go to the trouble of doing this unless it was for the sake of tzitzis. And that itself is a proof that these were done lishma. They were done for the sake of tzitzis. Amrav Rav says, Because Reb Ava, the son of Reb Zera, taught us this halacha, kipi tala la. Is this to say, like, you know, that's it? We have to be, we have to agree to, to abide by his ruling? But it's not. We learned in a different Mishnah. What are we talking about? Every Shana's only by old Tvilin are you allowed to carry them out on Shabbos. But if it's new Tvilin, maybe they're not made for Tvilin. Maybe they're really, uh, you know, Kameyas, right? Maybe they're really ambulance and you're not allowed to wear them out. Uh, but they, even though over there, it's also highly unlikely that they made this for the sake of ambulance. The, the idea of saying, do people, Really, are they really going to be matriach themselves? They're going to really, uh, you know, cause themselves so much extra work. It's really machlekas tanayim. The tanya we learned in Rabbi If you find tefillin, zog zog. You bring in one pair at a time. Both the man and a woman are allowed to do this. Both old ones, both new ones and old ones. Yehuda forbids by new ones. Umata b'yishanis permits by old ones. Alama mar savar tarach enchi, mar savar one of them says that people do trouble themselves to make a, a kamiya in the shape of regular pair of felon. Another one says they do not. Okay, we're going to go a little bit further. By the way, um, on Sunday, we're not going to end up doing the daf on Sunday night um, because of the, the thing. Matzei Shabbos, I'm not sure yet, but but we might end up learning on Matzei Shabbos. We'll see what happens. Um, that which Abu'a um, the Shmuel, the son of Rav Yitzchak, said, These are considered to be old tefillin. Anything that has straps and the knots on them. They have on the straps, but they don't have the knots in the proper places. Because nobody's going to go to all this trouble of making a, a kamiya with knots and straps in the right places. Right? What, what would he do? Right? So instead of doing this, he should... Um, one second. So I think what the what the what the Mishnah I think what we're trying to say here. Let me just see Rashi. I think we're trying to say is that instead of tying this tefillin in the regular method, which might be a problem of tying, you should do it in a, a folded type of knot, a folded type of knot that would be more permissible on Shabbos. Amr of Chizr Chizr says, says, come to say Aniva Psula Betfillin. It's coming to say that using an Aniva, using like a loop, it's a, not not you know like when you make the, the the loops in your in your shoelaces, right? That that is indeed forbidden with tefillin. He says that a loop is a regular knot. If it's a regular knot, then there's no reason that a loop is any better than making a knot, a, a regular double knot. A loop is just as forbidden on Shabbos. It sounds like the reason why you can't use a loop on Shabbos is because a loop is a regular knot. 
if it wasn't a regular knot. Anif lehu, he would have indeed made a loop. The son of Shmuel said, the son of Shila said in the name of Rab, using a kasha, using special knot on tefillin, is this is a tradition that's handed down to us straight from Moshe Rabbeinu Rabbein Harsinai. Rav Nachman, Rav Nachman says, and the, 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 the beautiful part of it has to be turned away from the person, right? So how can you say that you could do this with a loop? You can't create this with a loop. You have to make a loop that's similar to the knot. Omar says the name of Rav. Somebody buys tefillin from someone who is not a mumcha, someone who is not considered to be an expert in writing tefillin. What should you do? You have to check two pairs of the tefillin of the hand that this guy has made, and one of the head to see if what are they good. Two of the head and one of the hand, right? If there are three, then you've already created a chazaka, right? You've already created an assumption that this guy knows what he's doing. Manavshach, Mara says, what's going on here? If you bought it from one person, lived it. Then you should check not just one and not check specifically the hand, two of the hand, one of the head, or two of the head, one of the hand. Rather, check three of, of either one of them. If you bought them for two or three different people, then each one should require its own its own examination on its own, right? Because just because one person's filling are good doesn't mean the next person's filling is good. You have to find a case where you bought all your filling from one, one um, filling maker. Why do you need to check two out of three? The, in other words, two from one, one from the other. To make sure that he knows how to do both of them. Any is so. said, actually check three of the hand and three of the head. My lab, I'm sorry, the other way around. It sounds like you should do three of one and th- or three of the other, but not both. And not you don't have to mix and match either. Where it says no. Like, you have to check three total, whether it's the hand, whether it's the, sorry, some from the hand and some from the head. We learned, when it comes to tefillin, you should check two of the hand and one of the head. Hamani, whose position is this? Rebihi, this is the position of Rebbe. The Amar, as he says, if something happened already twice, it's already a chazaka. So even checking twice would be sufficient. If it's Rebbe, aim a seifa. Then you should say, what about the seifa of this, of this b'risa? So too, when it comes to the second group of uh, of things, right? So to the third group of things, right? So in other words, each each little lot of tefillin, he only has to check three, right? The Rabbi, but if it's the opinion of Rabbi, he doesn't shouldn't have to check a third pair of a third um, group of tefillin at all. He should only have to check two, and that would already establish this chazaka, this presumption that this guy is doing a good job. Our answer is When it comes to packets of tefillin, it's not enough just to check two; you have to check three. Well, then what's four going to help? Even five. In other words, each group of, of, of tefillin, a lot of tefillin you're checking, it's made by a different person. How does checking one tell you anything about the next one? Indeed, it's true. You do have to check each one separately. And that which we say three, to exclude the opinion of chizkiah that says two is sufficient. And truth, even doing a fourth and a fifth is also necessary. If you find them, the Mishnah said, if you found them, uh, you know, in these uh, groups or packets or bundles, when we, when we say tzivasayim, what are we referring to? What are we saying about bundled up? I'm reviewed, I'm Rabbi, who says, Rabbi, hey, name tzivasayim, hey, name it's really the same thing. Tzivasayim, tzivasayim, zuvi, zuvi, shal reish, shal yad, shirun yachad. So you have a head tefillin and a hand tefillin tied up together. Krichas, the krichan, tuva. And krichas is, it's bundled, many different ones bundled up together. 
says, wait until it gets dark and bring them in. Why are you waiting until it gets dark? Why don't you bring one, one pair at a time? says, My father explained to me what's going on here. Anything that if you bring in one pair at a time, you could end up bringing everything before Shabbos ends. Before Shabbos ends, then you should indeed bring one at a time. But something where even if you started, you wouldn't end up being able to bring all the peers in before Shabbos is over. So then instead of starting this process, don't start at all. And just wait here until Shabbos ends.